0: Good morning Restoration Church. I am Mark Hold, and it's just a privilege to be here. I have been praying for you for about five years and uh, meeting with Rob and and I am just so excited to finally get a chance to be here. Rob and I's relationship may go back 15 years. He was a college student and uh, I got to do a retreat And uh, Rob and I connected. Rob spent some time as an intern at Friendship Church uh, underneath me where I was a youth pastor for 20 years. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, God led my wife Karen and I to a wonderful place where we could hold our hands out and say, Lord, what can we do for the rest of our lives? And uh, so we focus, we've chosen to focus on three things. Evangelism, because that's our heart. We love to see people come to Christ. And uh, second is with youth. We've spent 39 years in youth ministry, and so we don't want to give that up. And uh, then with rural, and uh, we both have a heart for the least targeted students in America, and that's rural students. And uh, so we have an organization that helps rural churches with their youth ministry, and we meant for it just to be in the United States, Uh, But it bled over to uh, several other places in the world. So Karen and I and the youth group from Friendship tomorrow uh, get on a plane to go to the most atheist nation in the world. Uh, We're going to the Czech Republic uh, where atheist students are gather together because they love to learn American conversational English. And uh, even though I don't speak it well, I do speak American English. And uh, so they gather and uh, it's so much fun because they are not like American atheist. To be an American atheist, you have to move from a godness to no God, uh, just because we have that conversation here. In the Czech Republic, uh, for 80 years, uh, there has been no God. Three generations have been taught there's not, no such thing as God. And so just like, if you can think of something that in your life you would never think of. Uh, I, I, would, I would never, I would go years without thinking of tennis. I, I just wouldn't have that thought, okay? Well, that's how they are with God. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't get up and think, what can I think about that I've never thought about? And uh, they've never thought about God. And uh, so they love to sit around the campfire at night and us introduce the concept of God. And they go, how, how could that be? They're not angry about it. They want to talk. And I have that concept. So my wife has been, this will be her 13th year, I think, to go. And, uh, and, and so about three years into that, she said, why don't you go? And uh, so we, we get to go to the Czech Republic every summer, and sometimes in the winter, and work with a small rural church that God has breathed on. God has blessed. And according to our, the statistics we have, they have the largest youth group in the nation of about 100 students. And uh, they now, instead of doing English camp, have said, God, give us our whole town. And so they put on a festival for the whole town, and uh, English is just a part of it. So we'll be there. Two years ago, uh, I had the privilege of standing in the city square with the city invited, the town invited. It's about 5,000 people with the town invited and saying the name Jesus publicly for the first time in 80 years. And uh, what a great privilege it was. And uh, so then last year and this year, I'll get a chance to do that again. Well, that's Marko. That's enough of an introduction. Uh, it is so great to be here. We're talking about essential ingredients in all of our relationships. Most of my comments will be about the family. Uh, but if you're thinking about... Uh, friends or work relationships, uh, you're thinking about uh, your next-door neighbor relationship, you're thinking about uh, a community, you're thinking about church relationships, uh, you're thinking about people uh, <clears throat> in the workplace, uh, you're thinking about people on your golf team, you're thinking about people, just in relationships. I believe these are five essential Qualities, but definitely essential qualities for the family. If, if, if you came to me for family counseling, which you would only do once, but if you came to me for family counseling and you were sitting there, husband, wife, children, and, and uh, you, teens, and the arm wrestling had started at home as a ha, and uh, and you came to me and said, "Help us out," uh, I would start with a piece of paper and I would draw a pressure cooker. For no, those of you that aren't uh, forty-five. years years or older, uh, there is a utensil you can use in the kitchen called a pressure cooker. And uh, we use it, we use it for canning and uh, still. And the purpose of a pressure cooker is if you don't have a pressure cooker, even with a lid on something, you can usually only get the temperature boiling to 212 degrees. Uh, Well, as pressure cookers, uh, before they were improved, Uh, You would put cans of vegetables in a pressure cooker with a sealed lid, and you would have to watch the temperatures it would go up above 212 degrees, 250 degrees, 300 degrees. And when it got to, I'm making up a number. My wife will uh, correct this later. 350 degrees. I'm making up that number. You got to heat it up so hot to get the To kill all the germs in the vegetables, then you take them out and they're canned. Anyway, before they improved, I don't know if this still happens, pressure cookers, you'd put it on the stove and you wouldn't watch that thermometer go up. If you didn't watch it, you had to regulate it and keep the temperature down below. I'm saying, I'm making making this up. 350 degrees. Don't quote this part. 350 degrees. Because if it went to 351 degrees, what happened? Help me out. They blow up, and for us, we can green beans. You get green beans on the ceiling, all right? And so my counseling topic would begin with green beans on the ceiling. Your family's come to me because you got green beans on the ceiling. And uh, then I would say the responsibility for green beans on the ceiling, it's not mom's fault, it's not dad's fault, it's not the kid's fault, it's everybody's fault in the family to control the temperature on the stove to keep the temperature below 350 degrees. And what we all have to do is take a look at the family and say, what's my part? Okay, so we go to Psalms 128 where David suggests some parts. Now this is for the family. Again, if you're here as a single uh, or you're here uh, as part of a family and the other part doesn't come to church, uh, or you're here and, and and the family conversation doesn't work. I promise you, there are keys to today's talk that are going to help, help all of you. Uh, Psalms 128, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Now you're going to see in a moment that a lot of that is directed to the husband because we go to verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. uh, And your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. And we find out that every member of a relationship has a responsibility. Now, this is gold-ology. I don't know how good theology this is, as I've studied it. I find it in other commentaries, but you may or may not find others. That every member of a relationship has a responsibility to say, what's my part in this friendship? What's my God-given part in this friendship? What's my God-given part in this marriage? What's my God-assigned part in this workplace? I believe in the workplace. There's a God-assigned part that God has said to us, I've got you in this workplace with this assignment. I've got you in this neighborhood with this assignment. I've put these neighbors around you because I have an assignment for you. I've got you in this dating relationship with an assignment. And so I believe that God has got the father there as the spiritual leader. I believe the father is there who is seeking God. He's fearing the Lord. Does that make dad perfect? No. Does that make dad a powerful spiritual leader? My wife will say no. Does that make... Uh, dad carry the responsibility? No, we're all controlling these degrees on the stove to keep the beans from hitting the ceiling. And I love your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Causes some of us panic. But if you go with me back to my heritage, back to the south, where it's hot, pre-air conditioning, one of the things we do to cool a house would be to plant what? On the outside? Vines. Because vines growing up the house would suck heat out of the walls, shade the walls, and do all kinds of things to control the temperature of the house. I believe one of God's given gifts to women is to be able to control the, 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 the environmental conditions, the emotional conditions of a house that she looks around and she sees what's going on and she can navigate through the ups and downs of the emotional tension that a dad never can do. Dad walks in and goes, this is the temperature. Okay, mom goes, let's pull that down a little bit. All right, mom knows the kids are here, the kids are here, we're here. Moms get that, they're like vines on the side of the house to control that emotional tenor of the home. And then, I love, your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Okay? What in the world? Son, go over there and be a plant. Huh? No. Why would you have olive shoots growing around your table? To bring happiness to the house. I think God's got a purpose with kids. And and a lot of times in counseling, when a student's going, I just say to them, what happiness are you bringing to your family? If God's purpose for you is to bring happiness to this family, what happiness are you being anti-God's purpose by going, ha, ha ha Okay. So if God has, if God brings you to the table, if God brings you to your family or your business or your neighborhood and says, what's my purpose? Then that's today's conversation. Five essential ingredients. We're going to fly through these. All of these I would do as a weekend retreat. We could have five weekend retreats with each one of these, and you go to it. And we're going to get about three minutes on each one. So we're going to fly. Number one is communication. An essential ingredient in every relationship. You, got, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to talk. You have to talk. Now, when we were dating our wives... That time on the phone, that time texting, that time emailing, that time riding in the car, that time riding that bike, that time just together. We talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. Then we got married, and as men, our talking was over. Our words were finished. We were done. Check it off. Okay. Now, here's the problem, okay, is that there are four levels of communication in every relationship. You can walk up to somebody and say, hi, how are you? They say, I'm fine, thank you. In Czech, we "Yakse se Hi, how are you? You're going to sit down and listen because it means I care about you as a person. Hi, how are you? And they go, thanks for asking. Let's sit down. Americans, we go over there and go, "Yakse se mas. and then we're gone. And they go, what a jerk. He just asked me how I was. He doesn't care. That's a first level of communication. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Great. See you later. Didn't mean anything by it, right? A lot of our communication. First level. Second level of communication. I'm just being real practical with these. Hi, how are you? I was. Well, last week and the month before. And it takes us a little deeper, but it just tells us how I was, not how am I. Third level, hi, how are you? Well, I will be, I have dreams, I have plans tomorrow, I'm looking at this, hi, how are you? And we get back to the first answer, but the truth, I am, here's where I am, here's my heart, here's what's going on. The toilet is broken and the dog's got projectile vomit and the kids are all three sick and the, you know, here's how I am. Now, how long does it take in in a normal relationship for us to go through those four levels? With someone we know, with someone we've had a fourth-level relationship, it takes 45 minutes of conversation. So if I'm not giving my wife 45 minutes on a regular basis, and there's crisis stuff that she has to deal with, and I'm not giving her 45 minutes, how is she going to get to fourth level? And Proverbs warns us about it, doesn't it? Three times Proverbs uses the same verse. It's better to live in the corner of a roof than with a, <laughs> that's right, with a nagging woman. Do you know men that we're the ones that produce nagging women? I, can I have an amen from you women? Anyway, <laughs> we, we produce that because we don't give them the 45 minutes. If I gave my wife the 45 minutes, we would talk about, and in the 45-minute conversation, she would say, by the way, Did you know the kids have been sick for three months now? (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know the car has two flat tires for the last two months? And you haven't, did you know? If I gave her 45 minutes, we would navigate through and how are you? And I was and I will be. And we would navigate through all that. And finally, in the conversation, she would say, by the way, by the way. And I would go, "I, I didn't know that. And she'd say, yeah, and could you? And I'd go, sure. And there was no problem with it but if I don't give her the 45 minutes, when do I get it? When do I hear about the two flat tires and the kids were sick for three months? When she can't stand any longer, I walk in the door, okay, or she walks in the door, and she says, it happens right now. Okay, if we don't have talk time, it happens right now. And and, and so I walk in the door and she goes, before you, before you, before you, do anything else. We're going to talk about the flat tires on the car. I'm tired of driving a car with flat tires. And I go, nag, 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 nag. It's flat tires all the time. It's always flat tires. Flat tires, flat tires, flat tires. Why don't you leave me alone? Can't you see? Okay? Same thing's true. Our kids come walking in from school. They fall off the school bus. They crawl across the front yard. They crawl up the steps. And we meet them at the door. Okay? And we say, did you know when you left for school, your room wasn't clean? And they go, Mom, that's all you care about is a clean room. If I could clean my room, then you'd be, you know... But no, 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 it's that navigating. So how do you get 45 minutes with a teenager? Well, that's another discussion. Okay, we don't have time to do that today. I've got answers. We don't have time to do that. Uh, but but uh, Proverbs 25.11, Proverbs 25.11 says, Words aptly spoken. That means with the correct time, at the right amount of time, in the right place... Aptly spoken. It can be truth. It can be hard. It can be sharp. It can be two-edged words. Aptly spoken are like apples of gold. Wouldn't you like me to give you an apple of gold? Amen! Okay? Well, I can do that with my words. You can give, men, your wife, an apple of gold in a bowl of silver if you give her aptly spoken words. The right amount of time, the right amount of place, Communication. Number two, and we're flying. I'm sorry. Number two is convictions. Okay, Psalm 16, in a relationship, this is another way to say this is boundaries. Another way to say this is truth. Okay, this is who I am. This is what I need. This is, but in Psalm 16:8, it says, because I've set the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. Psalm 16:8. Because I set the Lord always before me. This is what's right. So many pastors' kids have been ruined by the phrase, we have to go to church because I'm the pastor. You have to behave because I'm the pastor. My kids have never heard that phrase. They've never heard that phrase. Because that develops in them, you know, if you, if you. Didn't have that job. So I'm driving down the road one day, three kids are in the car, and my wife and my daughter, my kids have never heard this phrase before. And my my daughter, she's probably 10 at the time, says, the only reason we're going to church is because you're the pastor. Well, it was one of those wonderful times, wonderful places, where I looked in both mirrors, the rear view mirror, I looked all around, we're on a rural road, there's nobody around us, there's no cars anywhere, I don't drive like this okay, but there is nobody, it's completely safe, I slam on the brakes, and the car slides to the side, my kids are going, they're in panic, my wife is looking at me like, flat tires, anyway, and I say, everybody out of the car, and they are just, oh, dad doesn't do this, I'm not this way. And they all get out of the car. I said, get against the car. And they line up against the car, three little kids, and my wife doesn't know whether she's supposed to get us against the car. And I say, don't you ever say, we're going to church because I'm a pastor. So We're going to church because we're Christians. I love Jesus. We're going to church because that's what believers do. We get together as a community. Now, you may or may not want to go to church, but if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to go for that reason. Never. You never have to go to church because I'm the pastor. It's a conviction. You understand? In our relationships with our neighbors, we don't do that because I'm a follower of Christ. I do this because I'm a follower of Christ. At business, I don't do this because... I do it because I'm a follower of Christ. There's convictions. And then there has to be, I'm sorry, we're flying. Consistency, Deuteronomy 6.6 says when I get up and when I lie down and when I'm walking, I am always aware of what the scripture tells me to do. I've got a conviction about what the scripture says to do and then I'm consistent about it. Fathers, don't we hate that word? Don't we hate the word consistent? How many times have you gone home to your family and said we're gonna start doing this? And if you're like me, you get about a day and a half into it. And then it goes, consistency means that this is what I am. You keep your word. I can trust you. I love being at the age where my kids now reflect back on, I remember every morning when I got up, dad was. I remember every weekend, dad did. I remember every summer, dad did. There's a consistency in our lives. Deuteronomy six six. When you rise up, when you lay down, is a great verse to travel through. That uh, we we have to hurry. Number four is compassion. In every relationship, there has to be compassion. 1 Corinthians thirteen 1 Corinthians thirteen eight. Love never fails. There has to be compassion. There has to be spoken compassion. There has to be shown compassion. To my neighbors, I prayed once. God, all, none of my neighbors on this one particular road were believers. So, and, and, and there's not a lot that I can help my neighbors with. I don't have a lot of skills. So I prayed that God would give us a month where something would happen in their world that I could help with. Because I wanted to communicate love. I wanted to communicate to them I cared about them to pray at the place you work. God, let me show compassion to show in your marriage and to your kids. Compassion to learn to speak the words. I love you. I love the model the Heavenly Father gives when Jesus is baptized and God rips open heaven and he speaks from heaven. So Jesus hears it. John the Baptist hears it. We don't know who else hears it. And God speaks from heaven. I wonder what that would sound like. Wouldn't you love to hear that? Wouldn't you love to see heaven ripped open? Maybe not. The heavens ripped open and God says, this is my son. Oh, dads, write that down. Your kids want to hear that. This is my son who I love. Our kids want to hear the words, I love you. Our wife wants to hear the words, I love you. Spoken, written in any way. Love never fails. And so uh, when I became a Christian in college, a couple years later, my dad was my best friend, but we had never spoken the words, I love you, to each other the whole time growing up. And God convicted me I needed to say to my dad, I love you. But I'm a chicken. I'm 20-something years old and I've never said the words to my father, I love you. So I called him on the phone. I said, "Hey, Dad, I uh uh uh." He said, "What's wrong, son?" Well, it's Dad, I uh uh. He said, "You need some money?" No, it's Dad, I uh uh. He said, "You having trouble with your marriage?" No, it's just I uh. I love you, Click, and I hung up. <laughs> you maybe have to do that. Maybe you have to do that. And it got real easy for me to say to my dad, "Hey, I love you," but it was always it got it was still hard for him. And so I would love it when he was in a crowd of his peers and I would walk up and go, hey, Dad, I love you. And he'd go, well, I, uh, uh. I said, what's wrong, Dad? you need some money? No, it's, I, uh, uh, uh. It was great. We need to learn to say compassion. And finally, we need to learn to say and be Christ. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I'm alive, and yet it's not I, but it's Christ living in me, and the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God put me in my neighborhood. We've moved to Prague five years ago, and we live on a street where, as far as we know, there is no other believer on our street. I believe God has put us in the middle of these farmers to be Christ in our neighborhood. I believe Christ puts us in places. When Karen and I go to restaurants and I go to restaurants with other people, I begin a conversation with the waitress. I say, You know what? Glenn and I, I was eating with Glenn one day. I said, Glenn and I are followers of Christ. I don't usually say Christian because that means all kinds of weird stuff to people. I usually say I'm a follower of Christ. Glenn and I are followers of Christ. And so we like to thank God for our food. But in doing that, we'd like to pray for you too. Is there anything we could pray for you? But what would you like my God to do for you? And we've had, Karen and I have had waitresses sit down with us and start crying. We've had waitresses get really mad at us. You just pray for yourself. And And it's always, there's a tension as I share. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a fear but I said, and, and, and so I'm at Applebee's in Prior Lake, Savage, and Glenn and I are sitting there, and I just say to the gal, how can I pray for you? And, and, and she goes, "Oh, that's hard. Who, can I get back to you? And I went, yeah. And so she comes back later, and she says, okay, I got it. Now, I'm just trying to be Christ at Applebee's, all right? We don't pray standing up, oh, God bless this food! And we don't do that. I'm just trying to be Christ at Applebee's. I think that's what he's called us to do. And uh, the gal comes back and says, okay, I got it. She said, me and my boyfriend, uh, we want to move in together, but we can't find an apartment. Would you pray that God would give us an apartment? And that that was Glenn's response. He fell on the floor laughing. Okay, Gold, you pray for this couple to get an apartment so they can move in together. <laughs> I choked. I choked. I went, huh? huh well, huh? <laughs> and then it was just a wonderful Holy Spirit moment because I don't think this fast. I said, You know, you really love this guy, don't you? She said, Yeah. I said, Got the emotional thing all taken care of. I said, uh, and you want to move in together? Yeah, we need an apartment. You got the physical thing all taken care of. Did you know we're three part people? She said, What do you mean? I said, We're also spiritual people. And for your relationship to be successful, not only do you have to take care of love, not only do you have to take care of an apartment, you've got, if the two of you are going to make it as a couple, you've got to take care of the spiritual part too. And she sat down. It was so fun. She said, What do you mean? the people all around us got ticked because she was their waitress. (laughs) But we had a great 20-minute conversation with her about her spiritual life. And if she was going to have a relationship with this guy, she needed to understand the spiritual thing too. Now, I believe that's true for your work. I believe God has put you in your workplace to have a spiritual influence on the people there. Your friends that you play golf with, the friends that you play tennis with, although I'd never have that thought, the friends... That you're around. God has put you there for a spiritual. And in the last few minutes, God has given my wife just a, mag, a, a fun ministry of praying scripture for her friends and our family. And we just want to add this uh, to today's conversation. So Karen, if you'll come up, and then, uh, and then I'll briefly close. This is my wife, Karen, and uh, I am so proud. And I'm, I, I, yes, you are. Okay, well, whatever. I'll fix the tires later, (laughs) hon. Yeah. And we got to hurry. Rob's going to be really mad.
1: (laughs) My name is Karen, and I was uh, born in a Christian family. I was saved when I was 10 years old. And um, I was taught... I was taught about, and I knew the scriptures, and I memorized the scriptures when I was a little girl and as a teenager, so many of you might be in that same um, place as I was. Um, <clears throat> I led a mops group and um, a Mom's in Touch group, which is a prayer group um, for moms. And I always knew um, John 10:10, that's like Mark's favorite um, life verse that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came to give us life. So I had all this foundation and scripture in my life, and um, I prayed especially prayers um, from the epistles uh, for my family and my kids and um, the girls that I worked with in the youth group, the, um, the teenage girls, and... For instance, um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6 through um, 21 talks about knowing the love of Christ, how high and deep and long and, and wide is um, Christ's love. So I would pray these scripture prayers um, for people. And um, I saw the importance of, um, of combating our enemy also um, Satan's lies, especially in my life, um, as a teenager. And then as I grew and got married and had children, all different, um, parts of my life changed over and over and over. But I saw the value of using the scripture to combat Satan's lies. Um, because especially when I saw Jesus example in Matthew chapter four, when he was led, um, when he was tempted by the devil, um, Three times, he quoted scripture. And if the son of God has to quote scripture to defeat Satan in his life, I figure there isn't any way, there is no other thing that I can do um, to combat Satan in my life. And um, so the only defense of a weapon in... Um, Our battle in Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the sword of the spirit. So that is the only defensive weapon that I have. And so I finally figured out, you know, after all of these years, it finally registered in my brain. It takes me a long time. I must become an excellent swordsman. And um, I have to know what to do with all this scripture. I had all this scripture, all this foundation of scripture. I had scripture for a self-image that I always used out of Psalms 139. Scripture about doubting my salvation in 1 um, John chapter 5. Scripture's about um, worry in Psalms chapter 37. And I clung to those verses, but sometimes Satan would still be able to trip me up and I would still fall. Um, in the last five years, I've just seen how much power um, there is in scripture And how that God wants me to depend more more and more upon him and the word of God than he does on anything else in my life. And and I just want to share a couple of those um, ways with you. In um, April in 2009, um, our daughter, our third daughter, was away from God. And um, she was living with a much older guy that wasn't a Christian. And the highlight of her week was um, going to bars on Sunday and watching football games. Well, needless to say, Mark and I were pretty hopeless, and we were pretty devastated. And we didn't know what to do. What do you do with older children? How do you parent them? Um, God gave me um, two verses, and I want to read those for you. Um, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 and 20. And when God, um, when I was begging him to give me some verses, then I really make them very personal. So this is how I would pray them. Um, God, I know that you will give Christy an undivided heart, and you will put a new spirit in her. You will remove from her a heart of, her heart of stone, and you will give her a heart of flesh. Then she will follow your decrees, and she will be careful to keep your laws. She will be your person and you will be her God. So I was praying that for her, and also um, these verses out of Hosea, chapter 2, verse um, 14 and 23, and chapter 3, verse 5. God, now I know that you are going to allure her. You're going to lead her into the desert, and you will speak tenderly to her. You will show her your love, and, um, and you will be her God. After that, Christy will return and seek the Lord, her God, and she will come trembling to the Lord, to you, God, and she will come to your blessings in the last day. Well, after I prayed, the, prayed those scriptures for a year, um, I have joyous news to tell you. That, um, that she did um, one year, the, the next summer, the next spring, we were in Haiti, and we got a call from our daughter uh, in email. Please call us when you can. Christy is leaving this guy, and she, and she just needs to hear from you. So she left the guy. She, um, God worked in ways that we couldn't imagine or ask for, You know, you always try to pray the prayer and figure out the whole problem yourself, (laughs) but never could we figure out how God was going to do it. But um, she left the guy. She loves God. She returned to her church. She's connected with her church, and she is living and loving God today. Um, Yes, it's very good. Um, Another scripture, um, I found myself battling in my mind and my heart. Even when I would give um, problems over to God, it was like I still worried. And um, you know how you do that? And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, and this was to deal with a problem um, with a person in my family, with one of those relationship things, you know, like what Mark's talking about. And this was a verse, Ephesians two fourteen. Jesus, you are our peace. You have made our family one with this person. You have destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So I kept praying and praying and praying that prayer. And over the next months, we saw a change in this person, in our family. Um, At the same time that that God gave me this scripture verse, I was just... um, Mark and I were, were by this person. We, we had some contact with this person for like a week, and it was just so hard, and that's when I found myself struggling and struggling and struggling. And, and I just realized, God, instead of me trying to do it on my own strength, give me some verses. And so he gave me this particular one, but, but now I just want to share um, four with you, four verses that God is really showing me This book is huge. (laughs) How many verses are in there? And it is just um, a treasure, full, just waiting for us to claim for any relationship that we have, that we need help with. Um, So, for instance, in Psalms chapter 1, these are some prayers that I pray for. Thomas, our son, and his wife. Um, blessed is Thomas and Janice when they do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in you, God, and they're going to meditate on you day and night. They will be like a tree planted by streams of water, and they will have a fruit, and whatever they do will prosper. And so I say that over and over, and I pray for them, and even when I'm struggling with something, I'm worried about something that's going on in their life, this is what brings me peace. Not to think about all the other stuff that's going on, but this, these verses. And then for the, for, the grand, for the grandchildren, Ephesians chapter 1. Let Caleb, Nathan, Hope, Abigail, and Mark be chosen in Jesus to be holy and blameless. Let them be adopted. Let them have redemption through your blood, the forgiveness of your sins, of their sins. Let them hear the word of truth and believe because one of the grandsons has become a Christian but we have seven more that haven't become Christians yet so I keep praying those verses over and over again for them and um, two more I want to share with you Um, Philippians chapter 1 I pray for um, Jennifer and Christian our daughter that their love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and I pray that they will be able to discern the best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. I pray that they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And then one f- for one of my uh, grandsons, in Psalms 130, uh, 147, it says, Lord, I pray that you would heal little Jonathan, um, his broken heart, and that you would bind up his wounds because he got bullied at school. So just different things like that. And This is just, um, you know, I have four pages of these backs and front. And and they're only just out of a little bit of Psalms, a little bit of Proverbs, a little bit of Ephesians, and a little bit of Philippians. And it's like, how many other books are left? And I haven't prayed those prayers for them. So, like, the list can go on and on and on. So grab, I just want to encourage you to grab for whatever relationships that you have. Um, whatever struggles that you have, that Satan is the enemy and he he wants to steal from you. But God is the um, the giver of life and he will give it through his word to you and to all of your relationships.
0: Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? problem with a morning like this where we give you just all these pieces of information is that the evil one could just load you up with guilt or the impossibility of how do I start five new things? You can't. I believe as you sat here today the Holy Spirit massaged your heart with one particular thing. Gee, you ought to to do this. I believe the Holy Spirit massaged your heart and said you and your family should just take this one little piece and that was God's gift to you today. That was God's instruction. God would never Have brought you in here to destroy you. That's the evil one's desire. God gives life and gives it abundantly. So if you would just sit for a moment and consider God, what's the the thing for me to leave with today? Is it communication? Do I need to establish a time every week, 45 minutes? that we can talk is it communication is it compassion is it convictions what do I believe and I won't shift from it is it consistency or is it Christ if you're here and you don't know Christ oh the greatest delight Pastor Rob would have would be to introduce you to being able to start over with a new life in Christ Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or sit in the seat of the scornful or stand in the way of the wicked. But I pray for this congregation that their delight would be in the law of the Lord. And in his law, they would meditate day and night. Then Restoration Church would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brought forth its fruit in due season.